know, there has been a lot of emphasis on, you know, everyone getting a college degree and then schools and, and getting, you know, fancy degrees, right? And I think that, that definitely is important, but I don't, I think as a whole in society, I don't think that's the only way. Hey, it's Brandon Knopp, and you're listening to Educate, a podcast focusing on education, but with a twist. We explore different perspectives of today's learning systems and ask dynamic leaders who are pioneers in their respective fields some poignant questions. You'll get to hear very fascinating conversations with great thoughts about the future. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Educate. Thanks for joining us on Educate today. Uh, we are lucky to actually have Derek Chang. Uh, he's actually CEO and founder of Stratus Data. Uh, frankly, um, I had a chance to talk to Derek and his co-founder, Charles, uh, on a meeting uh, a little while ago. And, and I was so uh, enthralled in, in how our conversation went in our first meeting that I invited uh, Derek to join us here on the show. And so um, with that said, without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Derek. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Brandon. It's a pleasure. I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, so honestly, Derek, uh, what we do typically here on um, Educate is we ask a little bit about your background, you know, so our listeners can understand a little bit of where you came from, what you're doing here today. So we'll just jump into that if you don't mind. So, so like I said to all our listeners, uh, you, you run a little company called uh, Stratus Data. Could you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so um, Stratus Data is a uh, consulting firm, data science consulting firm. So uh, what we do is we we help companies partner with companies and really help them utilize and take advantage uh, of data. And um, what that really means is um, data is oftentimes the heart of a company or, you know, companies run off of data. And it's really important for a lot of companies to be able to harness that data and make decisions um, from it. And so given with the advent of um, technologies these days where computational costs and storage costs are low is starting to become, you know, a competitive advantage to really be able to harness your data. And so we help companies be able to do that through uh, strategy planning, um, data infrastructure, or just doing analytics and uh, predictive modeling. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, I've been hearing about your guys' market for a number of years now. And I, I mean, honestly, I get a lot of different emails from different universities saying, you know, do you want to join this data analytics program or this BI program, et cetera. But, but for, our, for our audience, um, can you tell us how big the market has become? Because is it just, you know, a bunch of educational programs? Is it just, you know, kind of a sexy term we throw around in, you know, the technology sphere? Or, or is it a pretty big market these days? Um, data is a really big thing, um, big market. Um, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is kind of what I said earlier. Um, traditionally, you know, companies make decisions based off of data. And so in the past and historically, this data set was small, right? And what I mean by small is Excel spreadsheets, CSV files, you know, um, these type of um, things. And what's happened in the last 10 to 20 years 
um, due to technology advances is you have cloud computing. Uh, you have companies like Amazon, Google, and Microsoft who have made data, I guess, storage and computation available to the masses and really easy. So, you know, maybe like 20 years ago, if you wanted to really implement and do analytics um, at scale, you would have to hire a team, buy servers and computers, set them up, install software, maintain them in order to do analytics and computation. Now it's as easy as signing onto one of those big platforms, inserting your credit card, you know, and then within five minutes, you can be spinning up a whole, you know, collection of servers to do computations and stuff. So it's a little more involved than that, but it's pretty much, you know, a lot easier, more accessible, and the price tag has gone down a lot. And so now, you know, companies are, um, companies, even new companies like startups are taking advantage of this because it's really easy for them to get started. But what we're also seeing is that older companies are figuring out that these new companies have this advantage and they need to change their practices. You know, they need to figure out how to take advantage of these technologies to really um, help them grow their business or stay, stay, you know, in with their um, market share. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So basically barriers of entry have decreased, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now just to compete and survive, it sounds like, you know, these companies have to leverage it in some way, right? Exactly. Okay. Interesting. Well, it sounds like it's an exciting field for you guys. Um, and, you know, I, I, I assume you were inspired at some point, you know, maybe in your college years or perhaps graduate school years, because I, I do know that you went to both. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about like, I mean, you know, we, we talked to some startup founders um, pretty regularly on our show. And there's different routes that people take in order to build their companies. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you did to maybe even build your organization? I mean, did you go typical route of, you know, like building an MVP, pitching your idea? Did you get financing? Tell us a little bit about that story. Sure. Yeah. So um, as you know, um, for the listeners out there, um, I'm in the Bay Area. So, you know, uh, starting a company is actually not a foreign term for many people who live here. Um, it's kind of an interesting culture out here, you know, talking about financing and talking about ideas, startup ideas, and, and what you can do is, is, is conversation you can overhear, you know, at coffee shops. Um, and so a lot of times the, the route that what people might see or hear of a lot of times is taking financing, right? They, they build an MVP, they show these to investors, they get around the funding, and that allows them to kind of launch their product and get the company started. In our case, we did not go that route. Um, the first thing, I think one difference is that we are not a software product or a product company from a tangible standpoint. We're a services company. Um, and so our MVP was more about, you know, the fact that we were able to um, have a good understanding of data science and have, you know, worked at companies as, worked at companies as data scientists, um, but also having really good conversations um, with different potential clients. Um, and then, you know, and actually starting our company with three clients right off the bat. Um, mm. so, so that MVP was more proof of concept that there's a market and that we have the capability of, of doing this work and that people want to work with us. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I remember our conversation uh, and I loved it. Uh, when we mm -hmm. talked about maybe how you get new customers or clients, that is, um, you, you basically said, we have conversations, right? Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, um, you know, I loved hearing that. Um, but with that said, you know, let's say if I was a critical VC or somebody who was supporting you, or maybe someone just even analyzing your business, then they might ask you the question, like, so what's your run rate? Like, how many conversations can you have? Do you have deep pockets and things like that? So mm -hmm. do those kind of stresses or thoughts, you know, enter your head on a regular basis? Um, or do you feel like just basically having those conversations is, is probably something you can just kind of continue to do? No, absolutely. I mean, those thoughts, I think with any um, small business owner or an entrepreneur, you know, there, there's the aspect of your business, at least for us, the product. So doing the actual data science, but for those who are interested in doing consulting and biz building a business out of it, you know, there's a whole business side of things that you need to worry about. And so oftentimes Charles and I are spending, you know, a lot of our time thinking about business development. How do we expand our network? How do we get those conversations? You know, from a general marketing funnel perspective, how do you get leads? How do you get quality leads? And, you know, we, and the way we do it, you know, is, you know, we don't have, we don't spend dollars on Google or anything like that. We started out really tapping into our own personal networks um, and getting the word around that we're doing these types of services and maintaining relationships um, and, and then partnering with, uh, other organizations who might, you know, have mutual beneficial interests in working with companies or they have, you know, other, their network and tapping into their network. So that's kind of how we've um, gone about it so far. And it's something that um, we think about all the time. Okay. Well, well, you, you spoke about Charles. Uh, I'd love to ask a quick question about him. Uh, so how, how did you guys meet? You know, uh, like what, what, what struck you both? Um, or, you know, maybe at least from your side of uh, becoming, you know, like partners of this new thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, Charles and I uh, met at a company called Optimizely, and we were um, data scientists on the um, founding data science team. Um, and we really enjoyed working with, with each other. Um, we actually left Optimizely and um, worked at separate startups, but we kept in touch. Um, and then after uh, a couple of years, um, we were looking, we were just, you know, talking and we kind of came to the realization that, you know, data science obviously is growing and there, there's just a lot of opportunity that like people are asking for help all the time um, and looking for help. And there's kind of this market imbalance where there's a lot of demand for people with experience, you know, dealing with data and doing analytics or um, modeling or just building infrastructure. And there's not enough people yet. Right. Um, and so that's why, that's why, you know, to, um, to what you said earlier, there are a lot of programs now, you know, starting up because from a, a educational level or institution, there's a lot of opportunity there to train people in, into um, data science. So that's how we um, uh, came to the idea of starting Stratus. Um, and then, like I said earlier, uh, we kind of did our research to see if there is traction for us to be able to do this ourselves. And since there was, um, we decided to go for it.
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I do want to hit that question or, or that topic is a very interesting one where you talk about, you know, people getting educated, especially for your business. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about here um, before maybe I'd like to finish off with one last question before maybe we jump into that space mm-hmm. of education, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. But um, but definitely want to hit on that question. Like, are, are your team members or are the people that you find, you know, working in your industry, you know, prepared? Like, are, are there enough programs, basically, um, you know, the different institutions that, that help people become very, very prepared for big data or all the different, you know, uh, you know, segments and or branches of your industry? But yeah, let me let me ask this last question first before we jump into that, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, let me ask because, you know, and, and I'd love to actually talk about your business just because I, I always find it very fascinating to understand understand how other uh, startup founders or companies have kind of done their thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but, you know, you've done it for a few years. How many years, by the way? Uh, coming up to two and a half. Okay. Two and a half years. So you've seen a good, you know, um, I would say what, eight or 900 days of work, you know, uh, and, 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 or at least, you know, that during that time, almost a thousand days of working with Charles or, or, or the team, but, you know, there's obviously some things that we, we, we stumble upon or, or stumble over and um, definitely things that we're, we're very proud of. But but any advice, you know, for maybe some other folks who are out there who want to start something, you know, either like your 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 line of business or, or maybe for startups. I mean, you, you are like you said, uh, you're in the Bay Area. And so it becomes like common uh, vernacular that people are, are doing the startup talk all the time, but you know, you also have a little bit of the environment, but any, any tips for other people? Yeah. So um, I feel like some of the tips I have are tips that other people um, have given, but uh, you know, having gone through this process, I, I, I really, you know, becomes more tangible. Right. And I, and I really believe in it. So some of the tips I have are um, first thing, if you're, if you want to start something, start a business, really know the market that you want to build a product for. And more importantly, not just know the market, like how big is it and stuff like that, but more importantly, really and deeply understand the needs that you're trying to solve. Is that I oftentimes see or hear conversations where people say, I have this great technology or I have this great approach, but it doesn't really hit the mark in terms of the need that someone has, because if there's no need that is solving, there's no business there, right? No one's going to purchase your product or service. So I think um, that's what, that's the first thing. Um, then, and then a, a related idea is having a clear idea of how you are providing value. Um, a lot of problems exist and it's obvious to many people, but the successful ones are one successful solution are ones where they really understand the needs, but also have a very clear idea of how they're providing value and how they're solving it. I've also seen um, situations where it's not very focused and they're, and they're trying different things or um, not really hitting the mark. So I think focus and having clear vision on that is important. Interesting. Um, and then another two things I was going to say is um, at a high level, I think it's really important to have a mentor. Um, that's something we learned halfway through. Um, we were stumbling a lot, not in the sense that it was like hurting our business, but more like, you know, it takes time to find a good lawyer. It takes time to know when to do certain marketing things or when to, how to approach conversations. And a lot of that learnings is definitely good to stumble yourself and learn. But I think you can also save yourself a lot of 
headache and hassle by having a mentor that you trust who can give you direction and share their experience so that you can make better decisions earlier. And then the final tip I actually have, and I think this is the most, most important tip, is find the right business partner. I think that's the most important thing. Um, I, I think of it, it's just like a relationship, any other relationship. And in this type of relationship, you're doing business with. And it's important that you trust this person. It's important that you guys are aligned in values, aligned in what your goals are. Um, because as everyone knows, if you're not aligned there, you know, in the beginning, everything can be rosy. But when, you know, I'm not sure if you can say this on your podcast, but when shit hits the fan, you know, <laughs> then you really see people's true colors. And you want to make sure you know what that is before, you know, you're putting money into it and potentially your livelihood. No, I, I completely agree. And, you know, that's awesome advice. Um, all four of those things, I would completely agree. Um, you know, I almost want to like, you know, interrupt you on each of them, say, you know, <laughs> like, hallelujah. You know, it, it's like th those things are, are definitely the case, I think, with any startup. And uh, in all honesty, with our own startup, uh, um, I feel like, you know, those are things that have been constantly communicated to us. And, and you hear and it's not just, it's it's not just, you know. Um, stuff that you hear it's like stuff you believe after hearing it right and yeah. and knowing it and and so like that last point is is such a big uh thing i mean geez i, I feel like we could do a full podcast on each of those four topics right uh, and how mm -hmm. to how to achieve <laughs> you know or, or strategize in in perhaps i mean with your two and a half years of experience and plus more because i mean obviously you and charles probably have known each other for much longer so um no great and actually just to feed off of what you just said, I think yeah. the thought that came to my head is, you know, I think the business partner, not only is it really important for your internally, your working relationship, but it's also important as the face of the company. Um, nowadays, given the current climate of, you know, racism and politics, we're seeing how, you know, the, how the face of your company and the personality and the beliefs you know, are completely tied to the company and how people react to your products. And so I think it's important um, to find the right person. Makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. No, thank you so much. Uh, I think our, our listeners will, will get definitely a lot of value out of it. And, and like you said earlier, too, sometimes it's not necessarily just new information, but it's confirmation, right? So you having gone through this um, and then telling people these things, it's like it mm -hmm. confirms, especially the smart ones, I would argue, right, out there <laughs> who kind of already know it. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's good to hear it from other smart people. So and speaking of smart. Um, so what I'd love to do, we're going to pivot, you know, using one of those startup terms, uh, um, mm -hmm. and we'll pivot to education. Um, so for the listeners out there, um, do you mind telling us a little bit about your education? Because, um, I know your background, you know, and I'm sure people could probably Google you and find out who you are and maybe what, what schooling, um, that you've, you've, you've gone through. And, 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 and by the way, on this one, you know, feel free to start from the beginning, even from, you know, uh, literally the, the egg and the, you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, but in all seriousness, <laughs> but tell us uh, a little bit about, if you don't mind, like, you know, how, how, you know, you were educated and, and, you know, maybe even feel free to comment, you know, on some of the, the, the different forms of education that you've experienced, but tell us a little bit about your education background, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Um, so I grew up in Southern California, um, and I my educational background is, I guess, from my perspective, is a pretty just 
commonplace traditional one. Um, I went through the public school system um, and uh, really enjoyed that. And after that, I went um, to uh, the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, uh, California, um, where I had a really good experience, educational experience. And then from there, so I majored in electrical engineering um, from there. And after that, I went on to go to Stanford uh, to do my PhD in electrical engineering. And more specifically, I did research in the world of optics. So basically studying light, light behavior and light manipulation. Um, so which is to me a very fascinating field. Um, and then after that, uh, I decided to uh, switch over to uh, do data science. Interesting, what, what led to the optics transition to data science, I guess? Yeah, I think for me, I, I, it's, it's a very, I think it's a very personal personality type um, reasoning. And what, what, so for me, I always found that when I was doing research, I was very much interested in a lot of different things, a lot of different topics. So I would often spend time not only just thinking about my research, but thinking about many other things. And what I realized was toward the end, towards the end of my dissertation, I had this strong pull towards learning more about the world. Like had, I had done a lot of education and learning about the physical world, you know, physics, um, engineering um, in that area, but I wanted to learn more about economics. I wanted to learn more about business. I wanted to learn more about other industries in the world um, and how they worked and what that was like. And what was really cool is data, like we talked about earlier, is everywhere. Um, and it was in a way for me to still be very technical in the math and sciences, um, but, all, but allow me to kind of dabble or, or experience um, the more, um, you know, other areas um, of the world. Okay, interesting. And, and no, that, that makes a lot of sense because honestly it becomes more applicable, right? And so that, that seemed to, you know, and I don't know enough about optics per se to, to understand mm -hmm. whether or not that, that would like pull you towards that versus, you know, being pulled towards data. But um, that makes a lot of sense. Well, um, before we jump into a couple other topics and, you know, maybe even turn into, um, you know, some things that are related to what you just said, I, I something just kind of popped in my head that I forgot to ask earlier, which mm -hmm. is, you know, Caltech is not an easy school to get into. Right. Um, <laughs> and neither is Stanford. And, and you 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 got into both. Um, and you, you grew up in a public school system, or rather you went to a public school, yet you were able to obtain entrance into two of the, the, the toughest programs in, in the country, if not the world. Tell us a little bit about your secrets. I mean, were you very, very studious? Were you, you know, very good at test taking? You know, um, so how, what led to, you, you know, your ability to get into two of the most competitive programs? Good question. Um, I think... I have to think about this one. Um, I, I think one big thing is I definitely had a lot of support um, from my family um, and support, you know, from my peers, my friends. I think that was crucial. I do think that um, things that are useful for people to know to kind of try to achieve their goals is 
what everyone says, you know, work hard. I think the, the deeper thing about working hard is perseverance. Um, I think, I'm, I, again, I, I guess I'm right now, I'm just generalizing some more broader themes in life. But I think perseverance is one of the things I learned where everyone has their struggles, but it's really how you react, right? And being able to push through um, and try to hit your goals. Um, that's, and then another thing would be curiosity. I think that's something that I've always had since I was young. And I think that played a, a large role in terms of how I viewed opportunities and how I created opportunities for myself. Um, just by always asking why and really trying to deep dive and not stopping at one answer and really trying to understand. Um, I, I love that. Yeah, the, the curiosity, honestly, with, with why is, is always been uh, something that I've, I've, I've resonated with uh, or that's resonated with me. So, um, so you're always asking those uh, teachers the, even, even after they gave you the explanation? Yep, exactly. I was one of I was. I, I don't think I was one of those people that, you know, always raised their hands. I think I was a little shy, but I definitely, you know, would go after class or something and ask questions. Got it. Got it. Well, well, you know, you, you actually ended up pursuing lots of classes because you went and got the PhD. What, 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 what made you want to go and get that, that, you know, the highest of, uh, you know, credentials, I guess, in the academic mm -hmm. world? Yeah. So I think um, for my world, um, going to Caltech, um, everyone there is very much very research oriented. And so I think it was just natural. It's kind of more of a norm, actually, that people pursue a graduate degree as opposed to go directly to industry. Although a large percentage of you go into industry right away. Um, so for me, it was just more, you know, I had a very, still a very strong interest in learning more. So that's where the curiosity came in. And so I decided to just continue. Um, so it was a pretty simple decision. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I see. Um, well, well, speaking of the PhD and just education in general, I mean, let me ask, do you have any specific thoughts of those two programs that you, you, you were able to, you know, take and, and, you know, finish off with? And, and even before that, your public school system, were you pretty satisfied with the whole, you know, uh, from beginning to end? Or were there any things that you would say you would want to change? Or, or, you know, what, what do you think about education in general? Ooh, that's, I feel like that's such a multifaceted question. Sure. <laughs> I'm not even sure where to start. <laughs> yeah, we um, might need to pick on each one. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's start off with just maybe a general set of thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I, I guess I haven't, I haven't thought about that question exactly in that way. Mm -hmm. Maybe the way I can answer that is I don't have regrets. Mm -hmm. um, I, I am pretty satisfied. I'm sure if I really thought through, there are definitely ways to improve um, how I went through it or what the system is. But I, I, I think when I reflect on it right now, you know, I was pretty satisfied with uh, my K through 12 education. I think the most important, I think the most influential educational experience for me would be, would have been Caltech. I think the reason why is, is just my peers, um, my classmates and the institution itself. And I kind of, at a high level, I kind of think about it as the institutional provided a ecosystem or environment um, where you really got to explore and learn from first principles, how things work and really understand it, not like no facts, 
but really understand from the fundamentals why things are the way they are. And actually more importantly, what I've learned is Caltech taught me how to learn. And that may seem kind of a weird statement to say, but it taught me how to learn. I feel like I struggled a lot through the courses um, that I had to learn how to feed myself. I had to learn how to ask questions. I had to learn how to approach problems differently, um, which I feel like really helps me today because there's so many challenges and open-ended problems in life, both from a professional side and also from the personal side. And now I have a much better idea or framework that I've developed um, to tackle these problems. And, you know, and, and for me, a PhD experience is at a very high level training on how to solve large problems and tackle them. Hmm. Um, so, yes, you are, you are becoming an expert in an area, but I think the fundamental, like, skill set that every PhD student or candidate has is, you know, you, you're given a problem or you're trying to solve a problem. You learn how to break it down. You learn how to ask questions. You learn how to approach it. And, and then come up with a solution as best you can. Fascinating. Well, well, that's great to hear that that you were very satisfied. I'm sure a lot of your teachers and your professors are probably happy to hear that from you as well. <laughs> um, because, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of criticism when it comes to the education system. But um, it sounds like, you know, you've had a, a decent run at um, the different, you know, programs that you had um, participated in. Well, let me ask, I mean, you're now a boss, right? And so this this gets back to that question that I was talking about before we pivoted. And that is, um, you know, do you feel like the education system currently like gets you qualified candidates or, you know, you, you I'm assuming you probably have interviewed a lot of candidates or at least a good number of them. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and so I don't know if you look at maybe their resumes, because in my old days, I used to have to, you know, sift through hundreds and hundreds of resumes when I was doing uh, some recruiting work for an organization. And, you know, um, obviously, as the, uh, you know, chief um of your company um you, you know you and charles i assume probably have to go through a lot so do you feel like the, your your candidates are, are are highly qualified like do they do they jump on the you know the or jump on into the organization that is and and do you feel like they're ready to go or tell us a little bit about maybe how our education system prepares your employees or team members Ooh, good question um i feel like I want to answer this in kind of two levels. Um, one level is kind of specifically for our company, you know, a direct answer. And then a more general question about, a more general statement, I guess, about the education system. So sure. um, I think that for us specifically, the type of work we do is a very um, high skilled work, I guess I should say, or, or it requires a lot of experience and a certain level of foundation in math um, and statistics and programming. Um, and so what we've started out with is actually working with uh, former classmates of mine. Um, in some ways, as a, from a business perspective, it was a low risk um, um, opportunity uh, because these are friends and colleagues that I've worked with. And so I know what they're capable of. Um, and so that has done really well. I think 
looking at other um, candidates who I do not know personally, um, I do look for a lot of, I, I mainly do look for experience. I think the first thing I do is look for experience. Um, and then when we do talk to candidates, um, the next thing I look for is, you know, how well, how deeply do they understand the topics? Because I think in our line of work, it's not, it's, it's a lot of our problems that we solve are open-ended problems. And so it's not necessarily good enough to just have a tool belt, um, but you need to also know how the tool belt, like how, how do you create it? How, how do you, can you combine two tools to make a third tool? Like, you know, so take concepts and build on top of it. So a fundamental understanding of math and programming and statistics is really important in our line of work. Um, I think in general though, that's not necessarily a requirement for all roles, right? It just happens to be ours. Um, so speaking kind of to the larger topic of education, I, I haven't thought about it too much, but you know, there has been a lot of emphasis on you know, everyone getting a college degree and then, you know, going to the best schools and, and getting, you know, fancy degrees, right? And I think that, that definitely is important, but I don't, I think as a whole in society, I don't think that's the only way. Or the, mm. And I think actually, I think it's lacking mm. because there's a lot of roles in society that are needed for, for you know, where you don't need to, be trained in that way. You need to be trained in other ways. And I think a focus in that direction, I feel like is in some sense is glorified, both culturally and and just culturally or in society or in business. And I think um, you know that's something we have to think more carefully about. Where we yeah. kind of where we put education dollars. Definitely. Definitely. Would would completely agree with you. Um, on the flip side, maybe though, um, you know, being a, a you know uh, a CEO or a founder or in a high leadership position, do you feel like you, an MBA would have helped or a specialized uh, program helping you manage? Or do you feel like maybe some of that mentorship that you talked about before um, or other avenues or maybe just pure experience because you love experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, do, do you, what do you think could have helped you be a better manager, let's just say, or maybe a better startup founder? Wow. Um, let's see. So I feel like you can only answer this, you know, it's kind of a skewed because I only have my one experience. I do not have an MBA, mm -hmm. um, but I have, you know, I have taken a few classes at the Stanford Business School and, have, you know, friends that are MBAs. So, you know, I have, I guess, some, you know, I've touched upon it, I guess you could say, but I've never, I haven't had it. So, I, I don't think an MBA is a direct prerequisite to be able to be a good manager or to be in a high leadership position. I definitely think getting an MBA, you know, helps give you some training in that direction. I think it can also help you build your network um, and really help you move ahead. Um, in that kind of uh, more managerial and leadership role within companies. But I think to be truly effective, you still need to have that experience. I mean, to, to go get an MBA, you still need to, a lot of MBA programs require you to have work experience right? sure. in order to build upon that experience and kind of build a framework around it. 
And so I think ultimately you have to go through the process um, of, you know, talking to people, hiring people, managing people. And I think a big part of that is developing your you know, interpersonal relationship or interpersonal s- skills, mm-hmm. um, as well as learning how to not just, and a lot of times people think about managing, when they say managing, they're thinking about managing down, like managing direct reports or people who were, you know, work for you. Right. But a lot of times managing is also managing laterally. So people who are your peers and managing up, you know, you can manage your supervisor, right? Not to say you're telling him what to do, him or her, but more about managing expectations or goals or, or giving feedback. Um, so those are all very important skills. To have. Oh, I would, I would completely agree on that last one <laughs> in the many positions that I've had in life. Uh, yeah. So let me let me maybe ask you a couple more questions before we get to this uh, thing we call the lightning round. Uh, but but I think these questions are kind of important for overall education. I mean, well, one, one is more specifically for you guys. Actually, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity, you know, t- to be frank. Um, and it's not even a question for, you know, to, to advertise your company, but I'm, it's more of a curiosity thing. Right. Um, I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, you know, your data science company, like, do you need lots of data scientists or do you need operations people? Do you need an HR manager? You know, like, what, what do you find? Uh, or let's let's ask at least for today. So today for Stratus Data, what do you need and what do you think generally you might need to have more of um, to continue to grow your company? Wow, great question. Uh, a, a, a problem that we're struggling to answer right now. Um, the, the immediate need I think is, so, so just to give context, um, we're still on the smaller side. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have me and Charles and we have a few, um, a few other people on the team. And I think the challenge is both to find more talent in terms of the actual data science, but we're getting to a point where management or building a little bit more hierarchy. Well, I wouldn't say hierarchy, but more management uh, efforts are needed. To some extent, you know, Charles and I are doing a lot of the management of the projects. Um, but at some point, you know, our, you know, as you grow, our job is mainly to gather more business, um, as well as you know, direction, set direction. And so, in some ways, we are starting to feel like we're getting stretched thin when we're trying to manage projects as well. And so I still think we'll have a large hand in that. But I do think what we, you know, our more recent conversations have been more um, in the direction of finding someone um, or, or even developing within, from within, more um, management and logistical type you know, help. Got it. Got it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, more specialized as time goes on, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, uh, no, that, 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 that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I guess I ask mainly because, uh, as I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of people know what a data science company <laughs> would need in terms of uh, talent, but it sounds about right. You'd probably want to have more, um, data scientists. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'll, I'll just tell the people out there, I mean, meeting you and Charles, uh, you guys seem like re- great fellas. So anybody out there who, who are data scientist candidates, uh, talk, talk, 
talk to these guys. These guys are great. Uh, That'd be awesome. Appreciate no, it. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I, can, I mean, I, I wouldn't normally say that even on, you know, like a podcast or whatever it is. <laughs> but but I really, really enjoyed uh, um, chatting with you guys um, when we had that opportunity. Okay, well, interesting. Uh, so good to, good to hear on, on what you're looking for right now. And then, you know, it makes a little bit of sense as far as the specialization. Now, now do you think education could could potentially help uh like you know our 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 programs like can you reach out to maybe your your alumni uh you know at either of the the schools that you went to i mean is that where you go and grab uh folks or do you go to indeed.com like everybody you know or a lot of people out there um what what's your process i mean just kind of curious how education might be able to help maybe solve this particular issue so the way we um, source candidates right now is mostly through network, mm-hmm. nothing public. Um, because I, right now it's, it's, especially when you're starting out early, it's really important to have a really good fit, um, in terms of skill set, background, but also just personality, um, values. And so in a way through a network, there's some, you know, there's some vetting process naturally occurring from there. Um, and I think mainly this is the reason is more of a logistical reason. It's just that it takes us less time, you know, to be able to go through the process of finding someone rather than um, going through websites or other things, because then we, you know, we have to develop trust, right? And that, you know, it takes time to develop trust. And if we go through our own network, naturally, that's a little easier to be in there. But I can definitely see us moving in um, other directions in the future. Interesting. Interesting. I, I like that because I mean, and what, what was uh, sparking or, or in my head was, you know, you, you obviously went to very strong programs. And so your network, um, so your education basically maybe quote unquote paid off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you get two great networks of individuals that can come through those, right? Um, for mm-hmm. potential employees. So maybe that's, and I think a lot of people probably talk about that, why you might go to a, a stronger institution is sometimes the alumni or the networks really play a role. So that's awesome. Um, so one question I'd love to, to address before we do this lightning round is, you know, we're, we're becoming more and more of a globalized um, network of individuals and customers and everything, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, you, I assume some of your clients could be on the other side of the, uh, you know, the, the globe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty easily. Now, um, same question, you know, or rather not same question, but maybe in that same vein, uh, you know, do you feel like talent, you said that, you know, maybe you've already answered it, but you said that, you know, you go through your alumni networks, but um, how about potential data scientists that are in like the Eastern block of, you know, Europe or something like that, or in, in Russia, or maybe even, you know, in Asia uh, who, who are far away, or, or would you want to still go through that, those networks that you, you're more comfortable with, uh, you know, to find maybe new team members or, or, you know, just in general, do you feel like their education is strong? Because it, in, in our previous, uh, uh, you know, interview and, and mm-hmm. podcast, we had an individual who, who grew up in basically uh, Turkey. And mm-hmm. so he, he ended up finding his co-founder in uh, the Ukraine. And, you know, through one of these like uh, outsourced type of, you know, like uh, special, what is it, uh, uh, freelancer websites, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that might have created some like 
caution for some people here in the West. But but for you guys, would you be even open to doing that? Or or I mean, do you feel like maybe their education might be lacking? I mean, not to be critical, but just curious what your thoughts are with uh, education on the other side of the world. Really interesting. So I think I mean, short answer is yes, we would definitely be open to it. Um, I think. I think to the broader question about kind of education as a whole, this is actually something I've thought about in the past um, and or, or thought about in terms of my observations about kind of the idea of, you know, education in the U.S., at least that's, you know, that's where I have experience and kind of seeing people who've been educated in more Eastern Bloc and specifically in, in what I'm thinking of is more like in Asia. Um, and what I've noticed actually, and this, and this relates to my experience with, you know, friends or, or, or classmates in college, um, is that I feel like, and this is a blanket statement, so it's not entirely true all the way through. As a general statement, I have found that the U.S., the difference in education at a high level, in, in terms of STEM, so more of like the science and engineering uh, type education, I found that the U.S. I feel like is weaker in the fundamentals in terms of um, understanding or ability to execute, you know, um, like mathematical concepts and you know problem you know solving like homework problems, you know, toy problems, um, and 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 students from Asia tend to be very well trained. And they have very, very strong fundamentals in that area. However, on the flip side, I have found that, you know, and, and this is more speaking to the K through 12 education, um, sure. that U.S. students, I feel like, tend to be more, have the ability to be more creative mm. in a way, think outside the box. Whereas in, you know, students from Asia, I have found tend to be a little more cookie cutter and mm. less I would say, again, this is not about ability. This is more about training. Sure. Um, this comment. So I just want to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're less likely to naturally think outside the box. They're more about executing very efficiently and, and accurately. And so, in, and this has, I have seen this in the workplace or have heard in conversation with um, friends that, you know, that I think um, sometimes on a team, it's good to have, definitely good to have a mix, but there's always kind of the struggle between just doing as you're told mm-hmm. um, and taking ownership and going with it, right? And, 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 and thinking outside the box and try to problem solve outside of it. Um, at the same time, there's also challenges where the fundamentals um, are not there. For some people, like like they like you can, you really they on the surface, it seems like they know what they're talking about. But if you really ask deep questions, sometimes it's not clear that they really understand why it is that they're saying what they're saying. Um, and and again, I, I'm not critiquing anyone in particular or anything like that. This is more of a kind of a general statement I found. So I guess ways to improve, you know, I feel like you need both. You know, how can we have strong fundamentals, but also give an education where people feel the freedom to be creative? Um, because that's where all the that's where all the new 
um, innovations are going to come from. Sure. You look at all the, you look at a lot of universities, a lot of specific vertical like fields like physics, chemistry, or, or, you know, those areas are solved, or a lot of them, a lot of, we know a lot about them. But the newest innovation is at the intersection of these fields. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of universities are set up so that you, you provide a, a, an environment where a lot of smart people in these areas can collaborate and, and, and create new innovative solutions. And so I think, um, I'm not sure how to push that down into the K through 12 world, but I think at least in the U.S., I think stronger fundamentals while maintaining kind of this creative thinking yep. way of training, I think is important. No, that's a great, great feedback. And, and I think your analysis is spot on personally. And, um, you know, I, I, I advocate this uh, in general with our, our show is, you know, we're also open to debate, right? You're just making a general observation from what you've experienced. And um, that makes a lot of sense. So um, I would agree personally, but maybe there are other opinions out there as far as, you know, maybe the Eastern Bloc, for example, or maybe even Canadian students, who knows, but uh, great. No, that's great, great uh, and interesting thoughts. All right. Well, well, Derek, if you don't mind, we're going to end the show with a, a quick uh, lightning round, as we call it, where we ask you five questions uh, relatively mm-hmm. quickly. And if you can just tell me the first word or two that comes to mind, that would be awesome. Um, and, you know, feel free to you know elaborate, but we'll, we'll try to stick with maybe the initial thoughts, if that's okay. okay. And, you know, we can expound a little bit uh, if need be. All right. So the first question, if you don't mind, is who's your hero? My parents. Awesome. Awesome. Number two, who's a great role model in society? I would say Barack Obama. Okay. Number three. um, So this is a personal question, uh, or or I consider it a personal question, because I've seen a lot of people struggle um, in college or or at work, before they hit 30 or even shortly thereafter. But, but what do you think could help motivate somebody who's not feeling so great, maybe a little depressed, um, you know, or, or somebody who's struggling just overall in their efforts to succeed, maybe as a student or maybe as an entrepreneur? I mean, you, you should, you know, I assume you probably have, you know, thoughts on that level. But uh, what, what do you think could be a great motivator? I think, I think one thing to keep in mind you're struggling or you know going through a hard time is kind of two things one is know that other people are as well you're not the only one i think having solace in the fact that you're not isolated and the only one feeling a certain way sometimes can be helpful i I think in the immediate term it may not solve your problems or how you feel but i think in general it could potentially help how you think about um, the situation you're in and then i think just having also sometimes if we're struggling through a problem, we're very focused and, and kind of, you know, um, encapsulated in it. But having maybe taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture and putting it into perspective. I think sometimes that has helped me be like, hey, you know what? This really hurts. It's really painful now. But in the grand scheme of things, 10 years from now, I may not even remember it kind of thing. And so oftentimes that might help um, how I approach or how I think about it situations true true i love that answer um that two prong that's great um all right number four 
what's your favorite meal or dish? Favorite meal or dish? Um, Cantonese porridge. Oh, kanji. That is kanji. Yep. Wow. That's, cool. That's a, uh, brings me back to, reminds me of my grandparents. So. Ah, awesome. Awesome. No, I like a, a bowl of that myself. Um, now, one last one. Uh, do you have any interesting hobbies or interests that you think maybe the people out there might be, you know, uh, interested in learning about you or you think might be just out of the ordinary? Uh, I think something I've picked up in the last few years, I wouldn't say it's out of the ordinary, but um, I've had a lot of fun, which is social dancing. So partner dancing. Um, I found it a great creative outlet and a, social, a way to be physically, you know, like, um, exercising but also being social making friends but also being creative and having a way to artistically express yourself awesome awesome well well derek thank you so much for your time here today um just like our our, our previous uh time when we were able to chat with you and, and charles i i truly enjoyed that that time um we we sincerely appreciate you being on the show and i don't know if you have any last words uh if you'd like to share any but uh we we do uh you know um i, I might have to give you a parting gift <laughs> or something you know uh, for no for that's not necessary <laughs> no absolutely I, I i really enjoyed this then these questions were great and i um hopefully it, it will help uh, be interesting or and, and help people there yeah no i i definitely think uh, all your your thoughts and i mean they're basically insight in my mind um will be very helpful for the other folks out there i, I like i said I, I i wish we could spend more time even maybe even talking because uh you, it's very methodical the way that you you answer a lot of these questions um you know it it got you through two very solid programs you know you, you're still thinking in the same way and probably building your company so thank you sincerely for your time here today mm -hmm. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here on Educate. We sincerely appreciate you spending some time and listening to our show. Hopefully you enjoy and we would always appreciate a little review here at the bottom. And on top of that, if you don't mind, subscribe and hope uh, to have you listen to more great episodes we want to share with you, examining the focus of education. Thanks again. Look forward to seeing you back here on the show. <laughs>